Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Pixel Hunt. My name is Malcolm Cano, and if you are joining us at the top of the hour, you're listening to 89.7 FM, Iowa City, Iowa City's former sound alternative. Uh, and welcome to a show, Pixel Hunt, about all things video game, from news to critiques to controversies. Uh, it's our job to kind of uh, bring bring it into the bring it into discourse, talk about it, uh, put you guys in the know, and so to speak. And today on the show, we've got uh, an interesting guest. So, joining me as always, uh, my the the longest co-host that we've had so far, and one of the most experienced members on our roster. Mr. Michael Carl. Hello. And uh, joining us as well, a uh, senior junior member of the Pixel Hunt team, we have Mr. Tyler Durr. Hello there. And special guest today, joining us for the first time in a couple of years, I believe. No, no, just about half a year. Half a year, six months. But joining us, uh, special guest, Mr. Gates Daniel. It's nice to be back, and this time it is personal. Yes, indeed it is. <laughs> Welcome back, Gates. It's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's good to be here. The The view is lovely, and the room is air-conditioned. No, it is not. That's a lie. It really is not. It is so not. Well, it's it is cold thoroughly un-air-conditioned. In fact, what's the, what's the opposite of it being air-conditioned? Um, it is just like, I, I have a feeling that they actually make it un, as unbearable as possible. Um, then why are you wearing As a showbiz baby. Because, well, the, the, it ranges between either, like, it's way too cold or it's way too hot. I don't mind either way. Um, but. Well, I feel just peachy. Good. Glad to hear that you're comfortable. And Gates, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Uh, we also, uh, we're going to start off the show as we normally do, just discussing some of the new releases. Uh, coming up, and there's not, a much, not that much happening this week. Uh, but we have Soul Calibur 6 coming out on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And that's going to feature Geralt of Rivier. Wait, when? Uh, October 19th. It's been a minute since I played Soul Calibur. Gasp. Gasp, indeed. Yeah, if you enjoy it's a premier fighting game. It usually It's n- famous for invoking names like Darth Vader and Yoda. And uh, Ezio. And Ezio. Now, do they have Geralt's voice actor? I have no idea. Okay. I hope so. Yeah? I'd expect them to. It'd be maybe, interesting. May, maybe they could just cut audio clips from, from the <laughs> they game. They probably could. Fighting yeah. games don't exactly have complicated dialogue. <laughs> no. Or just take like his, his battle dialogue that he repeats all the time. Yeah. He just has to like, say one or two. He's like, oh, you're ugly. Beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did yeah. you say the Soul Calibur is only coming to the PS4? Oh, no. It's coming to the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Mm. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Lovely. It's coming to everything. Lovely. Modern, at least. Uh, and Dark Souls Remastered is coming to the Switch on October 19th as well. Huh. So get excited, people who have a yeah. Switch and have not played Dark, Dark Souls. See, it's the, it's the... I know a couple people are waiting for that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, it's, I just imagined the strangest Venn diagram. Of, like, people who haven't played Dark Souls and people who own a Switch. And it's that weird intersection <laughs> that are like, oh, I'm so excited. Well, actually, I mean, I was really excited for Remastered until I found out they, they really didn't change nearly as much as they could have. But on the format of the Switch, that actually is kind of interesting. You can play Dark Souls on, like, public transportation as if it wasn't 
already horrible enough. Right, and you can let everybody know how good of a gamer you yeah. are. Because it's like, oh man, that guy's beating Dark Souls. Or just a random stranger could watch you die repeatedly to the Asylum Demon. It yeah. would be actually really <laughs> funny if you like went out in public with Dark Souls and were terrible at it. And people just looked over and were like, oh, wow. You make an awful subway show out of your Dark Souls remastered. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. I don't sing any songs. I don't do any dances. But I will play Dark Souls for your amusement. Like... So everyone in public could see how much of a sweaty tryhard you are. That's correct. Sweatiest tryhard. I'll be honest. If someone actually came onto a subway car and started off with that act, I might give them a... I might be like, all right. I'll give you one dollar yeah, just sure. because, like, you came right out of left field. This it took a lot of gumption to come up here and do that. Just I don't know, like sweats. I really, really <laughs> like Dark Souls. It, it, it's no secret, but I, I would still have to resist the urge of of giving them a wedgie because that's <laughs> see that's the the main issue. You'd have to yeah. switch mostly. It's like, oh man, I really just want to take their lunch money after this. <laughs> um, but moreover, uh, and I guess, I guess this also counts. Just Dance 2019 is coming out on the PS4, Xbox (laughs) One, Switch, Wii 360, and Wii U. Technically a game, so... (laughs) It is indeed a game. It had a really elaborate ad at E3, if I'm remembering correctly. Did it really? It was a whole dance routine that, like, they they started Uh, off in the street and they ran onto the stage still dancing, like, in panda costumes or something. That's actually pretty impressive. It might be some other dance game, right? but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Just Dance, and I was... Really confused. It in made my, more sense though than the random concert during Bethesda's. In in, in my no defense, oh boy, in, yeah, we're just for a second we'll divert into the 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 h- hilarious um, public of PR debacles that are game conferences. Uh, we actually we'll, we should definitely cover this at some point in time because Peggle they two. C- Peggle too because they are like some of the most incredible feats of like. PR and management and like there's always gaffes and goofs and issues with it but in the <laughs> in the case of some of these it's it's really spectacular but yeah stuff like Peggle 2 stuff like the Just Dance like how do you get a crowd of of games journalists and like really like dedicated gamers to get excited about like a casual dancing game you and, don't. exactly that is yep really why would don't. you show that you put it before all the things they actually want to see, so they're obliged to applause. Right. Exactly. Just so that way, you you, you pat it. Yeah. Got to make sure that they get it. So, I mean, yeah. it was good dancing, at least. <laughs> yeah. At least there's that, huh? <laughs> the good dancing. Um, so, this week on the show, we are actually... Uh, I wanted to devote at least the, the front half of, of our time to discuss uh, the comments that were made by a Rockstar developer who was working on Red Dead Redemption 2 and the amazing social media fallout and media reaction that happened and the follow-up. So to provide a bit of context, uh, a couple of days ago, or yeah, around it, like less than a week ago, a Rockstar developer uh, who was working on Red Dead, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, came out and basically bragged about how People at Rockstar were working 100-hour work weeks before the final publishing of, uh, of Red Dead Redemption 2, which is slated to be one of, the, one of Rockstar's biggest releases. According to some people, it's, it's a 65-hour game uh, for the main story. Like, yeah, it's a, a court, and again, this is according to internal sources in Rockstar, so it's not official, but 
people are saying it's one of their biggest games to date. It's they pumped a ton of resources into it. And this developer basically came forward and said, yes, people were working really hard at Rockstar. They were working 100 plus hours. And when people heard about this in conjunction with what's been happening with Telltale and uh, high rates of developer burnout that we've seen this year, people on social media started to really go after this developer, specifically because he seemed to be showing off or uh, representing a the crunch time aspect of game development and we have covered this on the show before crunch time in regards to video game development is the expectation that uh employees or game developers are supposed to work absurd work week hours um following in order to reach the deadline for a game so developers as a result of having to produce a product on time have to work you know 80 to 100 hours a week in order to, to 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 just scrape by and it's one of the reasons and this is like it's an industry it is an industry standard uh but people begrudgingly accept it it, it is like you're not supposed to do it and it leads to a lot of issues and burnout but it's sort of an unspoken uh accepted norm the idea that this will happen on a game development project um and so people really freaked out about him stating that. And as a result, uh, he went on and clarified that he was not, in fact, talking about everyone in the company, but rather a small team of the four writers, himself included, that worked 100 plus hours in the final three weeks of development just to finish the game. All the part- They didn't necessarily have to, but the game has, and I, I do have the, the metric up here, um, but it's exactly what... Uh, it, it, he, he wants to clarify that it was not the entire company and that it wasn't he wasn't condoning it. He was just stating that there was a lot of work being put into this game. And I, I, I kind of wanted to extend it to you guys and, and ask a similar question. Um, do you think that a developer should be able to, especially such a high-ranking developer, uh, should be able to go out and just talk about, you know, oh, yeah, we did 100 hours. Do you think that that harms the credibility do you think we should allow that should crunch time in every facet be discouraged or if people undertake it of their own volition is it okay i would definitely say undertaking of their own volition it should be fine if you take pride in your work and you want to put in as much of yourself as possible to the work you should be allowed to that being said i understand like with the current climate of things there's that issue with overworking which uh led to the I can't swear in here. Um, shoot storm. Yes. No, that's that's. Um, the, it was a real poo monsoon on uh, on social media about this. It was a little. It was a little excessive. Yes, there was a lot. Uh, it, there was a, a lot of outrage. A and, significant amount of outrage. I don't know. That just if they were forcing employees to work for it, I can understand that. But it sounds like people didn't really take the time to inquire about that firsthand before getting mad. Um, yeah, initially it it seems like that. It it also seems like, yeah, I agree with the fact that it should be, it it shouldn't, you, I, I think even this is, is problematic because he's a senior, he's a senior developer. And when he released, he like, he sat down for an interview and when he released that, it, it seemed, he used, so he said, okay, uh, use Twitter as a platform to make public statements about crunch culture at the two companies, which he said is absolutely real, real and is never going to change unless we ask harder questions like it's time for a change. So 
Yeah, and so the the issue in this case is uh, just by by having a senior developer actually go up and talk about it and and be proud of the work he's put into it. It almost seems like he's I don't know like glorifying it or just saying like oh wow like yeah we we love our job so much we really you know pulled together and and worked this hundred hour work week of their own volition but it starts setting up a dangerous precedent um i i think that the precedent that it's setting here specifically is especially dangerous for certain game developers um especially because it's like i know with smaller time game developers they're not only working on this so much it's on their free time because they have to have day jobs right to keep it up because it takes a lot to launch a company like this well I have to agree with Gates on the matter for the most part where like it is problematic given the culture but if I mean he has every right to like brag about the amount of work that he put in and a couple other volunteers because they're proud of it and it's not like they were forced to do it but ultimately you're right it, it does shine in, like a light which is mostly negative on the crunch culture but ultimately I think the crunch culture is like a side effect of the fact that if I'm if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, video game prices have not changed for a long time. So considering video games are just becoming more and more like expensive to make, like it's harder and harder for them to go ahead and like what's the word? Just like allocate resources effectively considering they're not able to go ahead and charge more with without fear of like public backlash. Mm-hmm. We'll also consider that while video game prices may remain the same while the cost of production increases, also the amount of people consuming video games these days is way higher than it used to be. Like most people our age or younger have at least some sort of game system. Right, and, and I, I, I think, but my issue here is that like, so projects are getting, pro, like the projects are getting larger. But I think that there's also a, a, a misinformation that's being put through stating that, like, they don't have to necessarily be longer. You don't mm-hmm. have to create a huge AAA game that's 65 hours long. You can still create a successful game and have a relatively compact, like, 18 to 20 hour experience. And we, we've seen that games like that can be, uh, like, can be successful. My issue is that I, I think that... As, like, these games, because the idea is that, like, you put so much money into it and make it such a big blockbuster that they become more profitable, not necessarily more successful. I I think it's... So, like, for example, uh, according to the game... According to Dan Hauser, so that was the... the, He was the developer that claimed this, and he... It was when he was in an interview with uh, Vulture. Um, Basically, there were 500,000 lines of dialogue recorded by 700 voice actors with over, and accordingly, almost 300, over 300,000 distinct animations in the game. Like, it is a, a, it's a nonsense, it's so big. 700 voice actors? 700 different voice actors. Compared to Skyrim's five? Yes. And all, yes. <laughs> yeah, total of five. <laughs> exactly. Well, to be fair, that's more than double Oblivion's. Yeah. Right, and so... Oblivion's two. Male yeah. voice Female. Actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of which were on the development team. And which? Oh, and, uh, and, and Sean Bean, which was and, most and, of the budget. Yes. I mean, still, that's awfully impressive. Right. I gotta give it to him. Like, that automatically makes me support it more as long as they treated everyone fairly. Right. I, I still think, I don't know. I, I It's the problem of, like... So, the idea is, 
why are you complaining? You work on video games. You shouldn't have, like, it, it, is, it becomes an issue of developer and workers' rights. For example, SAG-AFTRA voice actors went on strike uh, last year and did so because they weren't, they didn't like the, work, the, the environments that they were being put into or wanted to be compensated to a greater degree for the continued success of a media property. Game developers do not have a union like that. Uh, they don't have one. And it is concerning that the voice actors in a video game have one, but the developers do not. Now, I wonder, I don't fully know the, the process of forming a union, but, I mean, obviously game developers have to have enough clout by now where they can start to band together because... Well, the problem with that is, sure, they could, but ultimately, I believe, like, the people in charge of the developers would squash that immediately. Well, of course. And then, and yeah. Th that's the other issue, which is, like, if any, I'm sure if anyone tries to actively go in and start a union or demand that, they just say, like, okay, we're going to drop you and we're going to pick up who, like, the people fresh out of college who are willing to work on uh, games or, you know, w willing to burn themselves out. It is, yeah. It's it's a high demand industry, but it's still somehow like there's so many people who want to be game developers. I guess there's there's really not because it's kind of like um, it's like there's a fantasy about it these days. You know, right. I love video games, so I want to make them, and no matter how much hard work that requires, I want to keep doing it. And they they work and work and they they burn themselves out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this actually also mirrors something that happened in 2010. Um, and so back in 2010, a few months before the game launched, an open letter allegedly written on behalf of the wives of Rockstar San Diego employees claimed the team was expected to work 60-hour weeks, 12-hour days, including Saturdays, or they would face disciplinary action on the first Red Dead Redemption. Um, this also echoes uh, the EA uh, spouse letters, which are another instance in which someone's spouse from EA wrote in a blog post about the the incredibly abysmal working conditions that a, a developer at EA was forced to go through. And we also have the allegations that we were, we talked about a couple of weeks ago about Telltale developers not being told that the studio hadn't secured the correct funding and were fired up to five days uh, after, like, they had moved out to where uh, Telltale was. And within five days of moving there... Uh, were were fired, yeah. So it is. While these where, are nice, where was Telltale based? I I believe I'd have to check where exactly, but I believe it's in Colorado. But oh, that's I not bad at least. But answer me this: I I'm not sure if you said it yourself, but did you say that those practices were also confirmed to have happened on the new Red Dead? Because the old Red Dead happened a while ago. A lot of company culture could have changed by then. Right, we, do, we don't know. Uh, by the way, it's in San Rafael, California. Uh, see, I was thinking, you know, if it was out in Detroit and they moved out there, that would just be horrible. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, I, I, I agree to that point. We, we don't have confirmed. We, we do know, at least according to one of the develop. That's the other thing. is like People aren't necessarily given an incentive to go out and talk about it, and even ones that are, if you provide your name, you might face some kind of retaliatory disciplinary action. And so it, it hits, it becomes a very hard place to be for a game developer. Because if you don't get with the program, you will be, you know, you just won't be a game developer anymore. Well, that goes for most industries. I think, like, if 
really, no matter where you work, if you go on some sort of platform and then badmouth your employer, they will seek action one way or another. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, the, the trick is now these games are like, so that's the other thing. Like, remember GTA five? Oh boy, do I. Yeah. GTA five. I've heard of it once or twice before. Uh, it's, it broke records as being, uh, the, it is made, it is as a media property. It made like the most money of any, like at the time, I believe the most money of any media property that had ever been produced. It made like it not, made not any media property i'd have to look into that but video it, games yes yes not any media property sure i doubt it made more than the emoji movie good yeah. point <laughs> good point but it, 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 it broke records for the amount of sales that it was able to push in just a couple of days of upon a couple of days after release uh and as a result the the <laughs> i'm sure the the people at rockstar saw just how lucrative just how much money could be made from uh, pushing your developers and from like, man, if you, if, and that's the thing is like, if you really push your entire development team and make them, you know, can create grander and grander projects, it doesn't necessarily ensure a game's success, but rather a game's profitability, which I think is becoming the issue because games are, people are, the, the, the publishers and some of the uh, executives are focusing on maximizing profitability of a project over the the actual like creative success of a project and while they they're linked they one does not necessarily there's not necessarily a direct correlation between the two so that that just wraps us back to the the tried and true topic of uh pre-order culture because like they they are linked but obviously profitability is much easier to improve if you like really try to advertise those pre-order bonuses which normally aren't really much of anything. Pre-ordering used to matter back when maybe GameStop would only have 50 or so copies of a game and you'd have like a lot of people coming in. You may not have your copy, but now these days you can just buy it on Steam the second it comes out for the same price. But they're still advertising it more than ever because they can they can gimmick this where the game doesn't have to be like a critical success to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. See, I'm glad you brought up advertising because... I think getting back to where we initially started, I don't even know if the conversation we're having is really about crunch time, but rather how it's changed from being spun in a negative light by the people within Rockstar, mm-hmm. Insiders, which you brought up with 2010's Red Dead Redemption, that release. You had Insiders saying that the employees within the company were being overworked and that was extremely negative mm-hmm. and they wanted that to stop. Whereas now I think why people are reacting so adversely to this tweet that came out, mm-hmm. it's because ultimately I think it's a publicity stunt because this is what they think people want to hear. They right. want they want people who are going to purchase the game to hear that, Yes, we're working on this game so much. We've put so much time into it. That's what you wanted, right? Yeah, it's the idea. Even though it's completely unreasonable to say, oh yeah, our employees are working 100 hours a week. It was the consideration, the only consideration of putting out that tweet was we want people to think we're working really hard. Right. But they did not consider whatsoever what that might mean in regards to the employees, which obviously the people who are receiving this information are thinking of. Right. 
because okay. it's come up so many times before. So, like, without any judgment on crunch time itself. Right. I think the way it's being talked about by the people within Rockstar is scary. Yeah, it, it is It is concerning because they're... I, I, that's the same thing. The, the spin that's being put on the actual act of it uh, that seems like... Uh, it's, 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 it, it seems like a dangerous game. And I think that uh, it, it will continue to be... To be a dangerous game, especially since like there is there are no there is no uh, union for video game developers. Uh, it's discouraged. It's very difficult for them to unionize. Um, and we still we don't like especially since this project is so massive. I wouldn't be surprised if there were instances in which employees like felt pressured to over to to work. Now this can also be that like maybe they weren't explicitly told. To work hundred hour work weeks. I'm not saying that like there's a taskmaster like looming over them with a whip, but instead, I wouldn't be surprised if they were told, "Hey, we need to reach this mark or this amount of work needs to be done by this time." And as a result, they were like, "Well, we have to work. We have to work hundred. I have to work Saturday. I got to work as much as I possibly can just to meet this deadline." Um, And it's that's the other nefarious thing about. This specifically is that while you can argue that it is of the employee's own volition, that is not necessarily the case. And it is a slippery slope to assume so. I think that's true. We also can't assume that they're crunched at all. Not that I don't think they are. Right. It's very likely. But we don't but to know. The extent, yeah, to the extent that it was tweeted out. Because again, the fact that it was this one developer who said, yeah, I've had to work or we've been working 100-hour work weeks and then had to clarify later, oh, it was only a couple of us when there was like a huge backlash. Right. Honestly, just based on that, we have no idea what's actually going on within the company. And that's why I really do think the reason he tweeted that out was because it he thought it was good publicity, or at least as part of a company, the thought was, yes, people want to hear we're working really hard. We, so, we don't even know what's going on within the company right now. Right, like, exactly. That could have been him low-key pushing, trying to push some good PR out or just, there. What if, or, or let's, just the, the purely non-cynical approach, which is like, what if he's just really he's just proud? Yeah. yeah, he's just really proud of his work. And he's like, hey, we, we really put in a lot of work and we're really proud of what we did. Even that, that's is, publicity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I'm wondering is with these like well-established gaming companies, how much downtime between games do the developers get? Like, finish a project, how much time can they just relax as the sales are uh, if it's Virtually no. Uh, well, if you count being fired, relax time a lot sometimes. <laughs> because usually following the release of a game, there are massive, la- there are massive oh. layoffs afterwards Ooh. in companies. Because you... You don't need that many developers at that exact moment. Um, and so it is also very, very... Like, working as a game developer can be incredibly unforgiving. Especially if you show up, get burned out, and it's like, well, we uh, we only need a skill... We only need, you know, a third of the people that we had working on the game to maintain the game. So, goodbye two-thirds of our workforce. Peace. And, uh, yeah. And then the, when the next project comes around, they hire a bunch of people on. And at the end... Uh, it's not. It is not uncommon for game developers uh, to 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 fire a bunch of people uh, at the end of a project. That's unethical. Uh, That's yeah. Highly unethical. Just why they should be able to unionize. And speaking of unethical, I feel I need to go ahead and hark back to what we were talking about earlier regarding GTA. I think 
I mean, sure, it did have a lot to do with a lot to do with them pushing their developers <clears throat> so hard. But I need to ask first: Have the three of you ever played GTA Online? No. Yes. I've not. Sadly, I have not. Okay, so you understand, Mike. I feel a lot of their money was made through GTA Online. It, it was. It was. By the way, I, I found still, the, it still is being made. Yeah, it's being made like as we speak. Oh yeah. Well. Uh, I actually did find the the records that the, the GTA Five did, which was best selling action adventure game and video game in twenty four hours, best selling video game in twenty four hours, fastest entertainment property to gross one billion dollars, <laughs> fastest video game to gross one billion dollars, highest grossing video game in twenty four hours, the highest revenue generated by an entertainment product in twenty four hours, and the most viewed trailer for an action adventure video game. Okay, wow. So, so that, for those twenty four hours, yeah, it was it was yeah. That's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. But yeah, that makes sense. Re- regarding Rockstar and GTA Online, don't let them off the hook because a lot of the money they made was through microtransactions. Precisely. Because those shark cards that they tried to sell, when they made it literally impossible to make any money in GTA Online, because you'd have to play literally all day, every day to make any money ever. Like actual money? No, like in the game. Because when oh, originally when right. the game first started, it was crawling with bugs. And in order, in order to go ahead and make like massive amounts of money to get the really nice stuff, mm-hmm. you'd have to exploit these bugs or play forever. But they patched those bugs and banned people for exploiting them so that in turn, either they would have to dump all of their time into it mm. or shell out for shark cards. What are shark cards? Pretty much, it's a online currency that they created, which oh, is that's, like that's in-game. It's supposed to be like equivalents to some sort of like gift card or like a credit card mm. that your character wow, can hilarious. go ahead and buy or you, you can, can buy yourself you can out. exchange your credit card information for in-game credit card information correct and there's different <laughs> tiers to it too there's like oh. a there's like a silver a bronze i think a nice. gold a platinum one and it's just it, well disgusting yeah they're they're named after sharks yeah. What I co- yeah, it's wow. like great white shark card. Yeah, megalodon shark card. Are you That's kidding right. me? Yeah, yeah, correct. Wow, way to way to satirize the commercialism, Rockstar. Which, but oh, also man. dip right in. Which sorry to be like a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> this show is only that. I still like. It makes me really worried for what the online for Red Dead Redemption Two will look like. Uh huh. It's okay, Debbie. We still love you. Yes. Right, well, thanks. At least someone does. <laughs> well, speaking of being a Debbie Downer, uh, we have to take a quick break from what we're talking about because it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the weather. Yes! Oh, here yeah. we go. Currently in Iowa City, it's 39 degrees. Uh, but, guys, let me ask you, what does it feel like outside? Mike, what's it feel like? feels like, you said 39? It's 39. feels like... 35. Okay. Tyler, Gates, what does it feel like? 40. 40? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 39 or 40, and I'll also note that I'm starting to see what you guys mean with the, the lack of air conditioning. Yeah, 39? Yeah, 39. Why 39? I'll, just, I'll, uh, I'll go with what you say. Uh, well, the real feel is 38 degrees. Oof. I think Congra- I win. Congratulations. Right. You win by proximity. Mm. Well done. Best way to win. Uh, so... Welcome on the show. Yeah, it's 38 degrees. It's relatively cold. It's dark outside, as it is wont to do at this time. Oh, uh, yes. And it, it looks nighttime. yeah, looks like it's going to be like just cold throughout the week. Tomorrow's going <laughs> to... Tomorrow looks like it's just going to be sunny with a high of 60 degrees, low of 44. Friday is going to be mostly cloudy with a high of 62, low of 41. 
That's it's just going to be cold. That's not bad. No. I'm High just... of 62. I'll take that this time of year. Mm. That's very warm. So, yes. In, in that case. So, as we were saying. Pessimism. Pessimism. Crunch time. All of these things. Sharks. 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 Microtransactions. Sharks. Crunch. Crunch I see the threads. Ah. Preying on people like Ooh. the shark would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's. I don't know. And I, I. So do you think that like. I still think you should be able to be proud. On the one hand. You should be able to be confident and proud of what you've done and your work. But at the same time. I find it. It still is concerning that you can go out and be like, well, I worked 100 hours uh, for the game. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone in the company should be expected to do so. But what does it look like when a senior official from a game development company goes out and says, oh, well, I worked, you know, uses that as a point of pride to say that we achieved something by working 100 plus hours a week on this. It's not necessarily malicious on his part, but regardless, it's it's a topic that requires very careful rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it can have very adverse effects. Once again, I mean, it's difficult to know for sure unless you're that person, but it depends on their motivations for saying such. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's really, if it is a point of pride for them, then good for them. I really happy. Proud. I support that. Yeah. But ultimately, if it was really anything aside from that, then that's a big no-no. And maybe you're saying it in the wrong place if it is a point of mm-hmm. pride. Yeah, I think. Like that's maybe fair. say it to your friends, not on Twitter. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, Which I, I, again, I would understand the motivation and the want to do that. I mean, right. you're giving that info to your fans, but that comes with the connotation that you are trying to advertise the game and show how much that your company's been working yeah. on it. In a similar way, to be a games journalist, you can't because uh, review. It, you're you're inherently tied to a media property. Uh, it's very difficult to be uh, to like provide it. Like for example, what if you receive the game or you review the game uh, favorably, and that increases, uh, or you review re- re- review a game unfavorably, and it increases uh, traffic to your site. Like uh, that one game we were talking about. Yeah. I don't Which, remember what it was. The it was the one that got messed up by Steam. Because oh, they revoked keys. Yeah, they um there was a it, it was a I I yes, we covered this I think it was either last week or a couple weeks ago. It was last week, I believe. Um but basically a, a Steam uh, an indie developer on Steam accidentally removed a bunch of keys and they got review bombed uh on Steam for rem- accidentally removing people's hard like actual keys and as yeah. a result Steam Steam did it. Yeah. Steam was the one who made the mistake. That's correct. Yeah. And they gave out a bunch of free copies of the game, and suddenly the game's amount, number of concurrent users went from almost nothing to uh, over 54,000 in 24 hours. Yep. It, uh, yeah. So, uh, publicity, like, especially, like, being a games journalist is strange, because you are, on the one hand, a journalist who is supposed to uh, review and, like, inform people on certain things, but you're also a reviewer. You're supposed to consume and review media properties or products. And so, like, it's a little stickier. Yeah. You can't quite divorce yourself from the product that you were talking about. Right. You're, you're responsible for not only giving your opinion, but pointing people toward or away from certain games. Right. So you are, you're a public figure 
You're, in addition. You, you are a public journalist, but also part of the marketing part of the marketing cycle of a video game. Like, and sometimes, like you know, if a game gets just like we've seen with Red Dead Redemption, they're showing off a bunch of really, really favorable pre-reviews uh, right before the release from games journalists that are meant to act as a catalyst for people to be like, oh well, all these reputable games journalist sources know what they're talking about therefore i should buy this game it's sticky yeah it's hard to tell whether or not like they mean those reviews or whether or not they're just like doing it for the money exactly i mm. strange how the, the more successful a game reviewing site tends to get it it gets a little less reputable well uh, yeah it, no no claims as to because i seriously don't think there's been any definitive evidence that reviewers have been paid to write reviews. Right, this is actually a huge... This was because a huge say that, controversy. People say that all the time. People, yeah, the, the, the rumors are that, like, a game company will pay uh, certain sites like IGN or Kotaku or, um, what is it, GameSpot? Games, yeah, GameSpot. Yeah, so, yeah. and, and pay them money to write favorable reviews for, yeah. for a game. Which, like, it's a nasty rumor and it causes actually a lot of distrust. Uh, to be fair, actually, the only real complaint I've heard, at least for IGN, is they, they tend to have the, the scale out of 1 to 10 tipped a little farther towards, like, the 10. Yeah. Yes. Which is a little too... But that, that's not even seven really a problem. Is, you, 7 is mediocre. Yeah. Instead Once of you five. learn how to read it, that's not even a problem. It's just a little, like, it is out of 10. It becomes right. skewed. And, and yeah. that's... This is the other issue. Um, Perfect 5 out of 7. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you act now, you can upgrade to our advanced review, where we'll give your game a 7 out of 7. Um, I rate 8 out of 8, mate. Rate it out of... Nice. Well done. That's good to keep up to date with elite speak for the kids, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Only for the kids. Only for the children Ditto. listening to this. By the way, uh, right before we, we, we take a word, uh, I did want to reach out and say, like, hey, guys, guess what? We finally bit the bullet, and now we're going to be able to put all the previous episodes of Pixel Hunt up on SoundCloud, which means you are now going to be, you will be able to listen to every single episode of Pixel Hunt that has ever been made. So if you want, if you want to listen to any of these, uh, we no longer have a limit of just two on our SoundCloud. You can go and listen to any one of them. I'm in the process of uploading them, uh, putting them back up on the channel, but no matter what, you guys will have access uh, to all of them. So oh, man, if you look, yeah, I left my sparklers and champagne at home. I know, but like pop the sparklers. Everybody's like, get crazy. You got a, you got a sound effect for that? No, no. Oh Lord. <laughs> uh, Don't tempt me. Cause you know, I, I could, if I wanted we'll, to. Yeah, we'll, we'll find it for next time. We oh. shelled out just in time for everyone to be able to hear my horrible voice on SoundCloud yes. whenever they decide you to. Know, uh, yeah. Yeah. For that Same way. way. So, um, but yeah, it, now you guys can listen to it no matter what. So you can find us online. Just go onto SoundCloud, look up Pixel Hunt, and you'll be able to listen to any episode that we've released. Uh, so yeah, now we'll finally have a repository. Something that's first time in four years. Even uh, the first ever Pixel Hunt episode? Incorrect. Just for this, this like, since we started for this onward. year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Essentially, we are starting with the fourth season. Good. Only the fourth season is on. It's the best. The first season. season was a weak season. The, for, the first season was kind of. I trash. don't want to listen to those again. So any and all proof that I was indeed on this show before that's that's gone. Um, not necessarily. I think I might have a couple of old copies rummaged, like 
around. I'd have to dig them up. But nice. I we at least still. I know for a fact that we've at least got it. But we're going to take a quick word, and we will be right back after this. And we're back. Uh, so yeah. Uh, run. Don't walk to your nearest computer, and go go onto the Webernets and check out our SoundCloud. Sound like a bunch of rappers. It's fantastic. So I'm, glad. I'm working on the pants right now. I don't That's think right. rappers say Webernets. Well, they do now. Or one of those wizard rappers. <laughs> <laughs> cool for the kids. Uh, cool. Yeah, cool, Will Smith. Cool for the kids. It. That's right. We're the next Will Smiths. That's right. Oh. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, so yeah. If you and if you like what you hear, you can at uh, we actually recently used some feedback that, that I received on uh, Twitter. So if you are interested, if you'd like to hear something, or you're int- if you or if you have a topic that you would like to hear, feel feel free to at me on Twitter uh, at a pixel hunt. I'm waiting on my Twitter fan mail any day now. Fans. What is yeah? What's your what's your Twitter handle? No, I'm just gonna no? get them through Pixel Hunt. Yeah, just oh. to make all of you jealous. I'll let you. Yeah, <laughs> but if you if you have anything anything that you'd like to know about, any story that you'd like us to cover that you think we might find interesting, send it in, and we'd be happy to to listen to you guys. I cannot wait for all the nonsensical hate mail. Bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. I say, I'm ready for it. I'm sorry, I was just joking. Please don't. <laughs> no, do it. It's what helps me sleep at night. Honestly, I wish we got that much attention. I know. <laughs> we got it once and we were like, ooh. Just, whoa. Oh. oh. Just two replies. <laughs> ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. Kaiba boy. Yu Gi Oh! Bridged is fantastic. Go check it out. Um, so, yeah, the other story that I wanted us to look at today. Um, so, remember last time when we talked about. Like loot boxes and how Not at all. how much well yes. how much money they make. So Valve recently published the loot box odds for Dota Two. Um, they're right there in the game. Yeah, I know it is. That's, that's actually kind of ethical. It is. I mean, Valve has always been fairly ethical. Uh, okay, maybe not always, but uh, well, <laughs> maybe I've spoken too soon. It's like it's a it's a pretty okay step in the right direction. It's actually something I also wanted to bring up because this is not. This is only so for Valve to publish loot box odds for Dota 2 for one of its games is great. It's it's good. It's a part of the transparency that you I think is really necessary for something like this, especially when you have uh, games of random chance uh, that people throw their money at. Uh, by giving them the odds, they can at least make somewhat more of an informed opinion about whether or not they want to throw their money at something. You know, if someone says, like, you know, give me t- $10 and you can reach your hand in this mystery box, as opposed to, you know, give me $10 and you can reach your hand in this mystery box, and there's only a 5% chance you'll get something good out of it. So, you know, I can be like, oh, well, 5% isn't that great, so I think I'll just hold on to my $10. Really reminds me of those times when I'd be playing Overwatch, and, you know, it'd be like the start of a new event and i'd be like wow there's so many cool skins and like stuff in here that i really want i'll actually go ahead and give them fifteen dollars and it's like wow more stickers that's actually stickers the main and reason I, I stopped playing overwatch the, <laughs> the way they handle event skins just made me really upset yeah because it's a it is a limited window uh and there's and a random chance more expensive so you you can't just like Buy them as easily as the regular skins. And there's certain skins that after the window closes, you cannot purchase. Yeah. Um, outs- you can't purchase in the store, which is, I think, absurd. Or potentially I just, I wish, ever again. Why would yeah, you, why would you make restrictive content for people who want to buy them? 
And also, well, because then they'll, they'll keep trying to buy them. Exactly, because then it, it puts more pressure on them to buy a bunch of loot boxes. If which they is, only, if they just made credits a thing you could buy directly, yeah. I think that'd be fine. Like, it makes I'd, it incredibly manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just them increasing demand. But artificially, for well, no yes. reason. Well, of course, but that's still what they're doing. Um, but yes, Valve publishes the loot bo- box odds for Dota 2, but this is not unique because it, did you know that in China... Uh, mm-hmm. Video games are required by law to disclose odds, which is how lots of people were actually getting the odds for a lot of these games. We're just looking at Chinese players' accounts and going, oh, well, in China, the the, the, the government has forced them to show the loot box odds. Um, oh, look at that. And this is one of the instances that I would suggest and make the case for. I actually believe that there should be some kind of intervention that's like, yeah, uh, Valve publishing loot box odds should just be a given across everything. I think that yeah. if you have loot boxes of any kind, you should be required to disclose the odds. I'm still aware of those statistics for TF2 crates because I have shelled out That's, thousands yeah, it's, of dollars. It's nonsense. So many hats. So many hats. I got two. Two hats? Oh. Two unusuals. Oh, what does that Dragon. mean? Oh, um, they're basically uh, hats that are on fire. <laughs> nice. And are very rare. Wait, or, or they're surrounded money. by money or like they have, like basically they just add a visual effect onto an already existing hat. Right. Something so you that you would like describe cool as like. Head. It's a bit odd. Right. Non sequitur, maybe unusual, you would say. Right. I see where the name came it's from indeed, now. indeed, yeah. Right. But like it doesn't see, it's nothing, it doesn't alter gameplay, right? It's just cosmetic? Yeah, but with the TF2 culture that does horribly enough kind of actually alter the gameplay of course if you have an unusual people will assume you're better at the game which is sometimes it holds some weight because if you have one it's more likely you play the game longer because you they're hard to get other times though some kid will start playing the game and got money bags parents and they'll buy an unusual and the kid will be uh no better at the game which is kind of hilarious but it it is because it alters the game an entirely a community standpoint right Mm-hmm. Oh, that is... It's like marking yourself, more mm-hmm. or less. It's so like, I... hey, look at me. I have this really cool thing that normally veterans have. Right. It's either I play a lot of the game or I have a lot of money and I uh, don't look spend at, it wisely. Look so. at all my money. It's just like, who's got two thumbs and got their hands on their parents' credit card? This, this guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so like, I, I think that I really have an issue with people being with Val being like, "Look, we're helping. We're disclosing the odds. Oh, look, they're they're throwing us handouts, tiny crumbs of handouts." Our Lord and Savior Gabe Newell. Yeah, thank God. Um, it's it's like it, with a number. So with governments seeking to yeah, so uh, disclosing loot box rewards odds has often been suggested as a possible solution in conversations with a number of governments seeking to regulate loot boxes as gambling. And several Asian countries already require the disclosure. Some companies have already opted to disclose odds internationally. Um, yeah, and Apple has required games in its app store with such transactions to disclose odds since the end of last year. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I just find it, it is frustrating to see that the change is happening this slowly. It is good that the change is happening, um, but it's nonetheless concerning that they're able to do this and get away with it. I think if changes are made in the right direction, I think it's best to not 
go ahead and like denounce them or whatever. Just be happy that they're happening, I guess. Yeah, but they're happening at such a slow pace. Shouldn't it be the job of people who are reporting on this to be like, all right, that's great, Valve, but like, what about the other games? And also like other developers. Because I see where you're what coming about from. What about those? But, but denouncing the changes isn't going to incentivize the companies to change slower. It may not incentivize them at all, but at the very least, it's not going to have a negative impact. I mean, yeah. And if it does, they're they're making a really bad PR move. Yeah, or you could... Yeah, and so I also think that there's the potential here to really uh, mobilize a base to... Like, one of the best... I mean, the only, the only language that these companies possibly understand is money. So you might as well uh, try... Well, that's the issue, is that, like, there's no... Like, to be, it means nothing to be like, boycott microtransactions in these games. Because if you don't like, it doesn't matter if you don't buy them because there's all because they've shown how lucrative they are. And it's mostly like just a few people who buy a bunch. Yeah, the, the whales, whales. The, ones. the whales. That's what they call them. Yeah, yes. they're, they're known as whales. Yeah. Correct. You land those whales, people. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I had a friend like that once who would you know we played Smite together and he would he made it his mission to buy every single skin in the game for no reason despite having it. What? Yeah, it was it was kind of ridiculous by chance do i know this person what? Uh, i believe you do but okay. that's yeah i thought so no doxing people on the air but i won't oh my worry. god yeah. wait why why did he um mostly he if at least his motivation he just he had a lot of money and uh-huh. liked letting people know that <laughs> he wasn't always <laughs> terrible about it. he was also at least he, he was generous with it to friends as well it sure like he was just wow. buying the stuff and you know flexing right. but yeah and and so it, it enhances a culture of flexing <laughs> come and get your canada the only flexing most gamers do right wow way to go yeah uh, that'll be the trick you coming at me come at uh, yeah we need to come at our entire audience Let's make him cry like a bunch of anime fans on promo. Sweaty tryhards. <laughs> we say sweatily trying to make this radio show. Trying. Um, trying as hard as possible. I don't um, try at anything. Uh, and so in this case... That's the spirit. <laughs> there you go. Um, That's what I like to hear from someone I'm doing a project with. So do you think that... Uh, do you think that... So like, do you think odds being disclosed is enough? Um, like, do you... How how in depth should it be? Should it be made available? Um, do you think that there's a case for not having the odds disclosed or not having them as disclosed? So, like for example, if you just tell people, like, okay, there's a sixty percent chance that you'll get this, there's a forty five percent chance that you'll get that, um, but they have to really look for the information. Like you put it on your site, but you don't necessarily advertise it in game. I don't necessarily mind whether the odds are disclosed or not. What I'm curious about is, have they come out and, you know, finally said, yeah, this, this is gambling? Because it, uh, it no. is. Oh, well, the, See, the game companies have not. The, it is up, they've left it up to the governments in their respective countries to determine whether or not it is gambling. Well, it's so I, clearly think, gambling. I think it's gambling if you have to pay for it with your own money and it affects gameplay. Well, I mean, according if, to Belgium, yes. Well, I th- like, if it's... Like, just aesthetics and customization, like skins or whatever, then I'm not sure that's gambling, I guess. Right. I remember the logic behind them saying it wasn't gambling is that no matter what, when you invested the money, you'd win something. But that's kind of ignoring the the basic idea that most people who are buying loot boxes 
are aiming for one specific thing. And exactly. And they'll still shell out more money until they get that thing if they really want it. It's it's still gambling even if, like, one little thing changes. Because a lot, a lot of the time, these small little rewards that, you know, make it not gambling, no one actually wants them. Right. They're Nobody wants the throwaway voice lines. No, no one, one wants, wants the stickers. stickers. Yeah. God, no one wants those stickers. No one. Well, no I don't know about that. It feels pretty nice if you're, like, I don't know. Well, you're playing Overwatch, and you could just, like, spray some salt on the ground yeah. to let everyone know how salty you made them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yes, methods of player expression are important. But in this case, the monetization of player expression is concerning. And I, I also think that, like, oh, man. Yeah, it, it is. it's just overall a, a pretty slippery slope when it comes to these types of... Uh, of loot boxes and games. I, yeah, I don't know. Let Uh, me, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Please, Mike. I just decided to look up the definition of gamble because I was thinking about whether it was only for money and by definition it is. Oh, it's play games of chance for money. Oh, so this is, this is play games of chance for virtual rewards. That is not money. So it, it is. It's it's a really it can't, it's a it's a very yeah. It's yeah. that's the thing is like you'd have to you could argue that technically everything in the game could be somehow translated to a type of currency, but the fact that there is a there is a a point of separation. That's right. interesting. Yeah, just because Tyler, what you mentioned about um, you believe that it is gambling if it affects gameplay, but if it doesn't, it's it's not gambling. I was like, why Why would that be? But then I realized it kind of made sense because I think one thing is what you would normally get from a standard purchase that you wouldn't have to gamble for. Say, like, a DLC would be something that affects gameplay on a fundamental level. That's something you pay for. You're not gambling for it. Right. Well, and also, unless it's a microtransaction where it's a loot box to yeah, get it's DLC, a box oh. that will affect gameplay. <laughs> Not to get DLC, but something that will affect gameplay. Just imagine that it's like it's a you to get the DLC. You can't purchase it directly. You have to purchase a loot box to potentially get the. DLC. I'd really Randomly like to get, get this new hero, oh, but it looks like it's stickers again. Oh, oh. oh. stop! You're scary. Six me. hours of additional <laughs> gameplay if you can unlock it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a horrifying. Yeah, okay. There's the there's the dystopia. But let me just like go back to Overwatch again. Please. I think the fact that they allow you to go ahead and purchase it with in-game currency and even they award you that by like leveling up and playing. I'm not sure it's gambling at that point. Really? Be- well, because like they give you they entirely give you the option to go ahead and like purchase things in game without rolling the loot boxes yeah. and then on top of that they award you the loot boxes for free yeah. yeah i wouldn't really say the overwatch thing is unethical it just it bugged me personally right but what about all of like it's the 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 loot boxes themselves are designed to be psychologically manipulative. It's oh, actually oh, what I was yeah. gonna say because regardless of the definition of gambling requiring money or not, it still appeals to people with gambling addictions. Precisely, like, and preys on juveniles or children oh, yeah. who are potentially susceptible or have difficulty regulating like that impulse control. Yeah, yeah. Well, like they don't have a concept of money. Oh man, psychologically, it uh, it uh, targets literally everyone because of the way that all of these like like if you've like overwatch once again let me just 
it's a good example for all this stuff. I mean, no, like dude. when you when you open up a loot box, oh, all the and bells then it, and it whistles. Shoots, it, yeah, it shoots it up with this really nice sound and then all these bright colors and everything. Ooh. It really appeals to you. It makes you feel good in yeah. the moment. And, and you're you like, get you get to, you're like, oh, there's a gold. Ah, yeah, there's a pink. And it's a skin, yeah. And Already a gray. Have. <laughs> oh, that's that, great. That's, that's actually or it's like, or even my favorite is like, oh, it's a skin for someone I never use. Yep. Great. Another Symmetra skin. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Amazing. So Amazing. just kind of unrelated again, or related, but. Yeah, please. Uh, I continued looking at definitions, found another one that said, to play a game for money or property, this is Merriam-Webster. Uh, all right. Now we're Which is that. also really uncertain because it's, what is it's not physical property. It's virtual property. Well... And you don't really own virtual games anymore. Yeah, We've you don't. We've had this discussion. Yeah, we have, where it's like you, you own the right to play them. Right. But you do that not. That be taken away well, at any point. Exactly. I don't know about that because... The items that you unlock with that stuff is tied to your account, but they can which be is your property. From, right, but they but can the be the account is, that is part. Correct. Yeah, the account is part of a service that can be shut down and manipulated at any point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Blizzard can be like, "We're wiping your." Yeah. Like, if you're Blizzard, cheating, Blizzard can say like, "All right, we're shutting down, and you lose all your games." <laughs> it happened to me with GameStop. Yeah, GameStop uh, shut down their PC app. Every game that I purchased on their PC app is gone. Did they refund you? No. no. God, of course no. they did. It was, like, it was hundreds of dollars worth of games. I just lost them. Shows that I never owned them in the first place. And here's $5 worth of in-store credit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah just we like, don't... oh, yeah, sorry about that. Oh, uh, we'll just give you... Here's $5. Here's <laughs> We're sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> sorry. How much does it inconvenience you? <laughs> precisely that. Um, but yes, and I think that all the, the, the... By the way, for those of you joining us at the top of the hour, you're listening to Care You Why... 89.7 FM, Iowa City, Iowa City's former sound alternative, and you're listening to Pixel Hunt, video, a show about video game news, critiques, controversies, um, and whatnot. Thank you for joining us at the top of the hour. We were just having a spirited discussion about loot boxes and video games, uh, and how Valve publishing the results or the odds of a loot box is expected, but not like it's not extraordinary should be the case i still think it's a step in the right direction it ultimately. is but it's like it's again it's like saying like oh congratulations we've upgraded from you know uh beating children to just scolding them it's like okay that's great well, but like maybe we should move a little little further past that both of those actually like although it is still a problem that those are in the game and are manipulative it, it, okay i guess you're doing something about it then again perhaps i don't know as much considering the only like games with that kind of stuff that i've played is like overwatch or smite so perhaps my like opinion and perception of the matter is limited so perhaps maybe you know something that i don't so yeah. i digress you played shadow of war didn't you yes i did oh did there you, you oh, go did you well, take that back. Yeah. yeah, you saw you saw that firsthand. The guy rubbing his hands in the shop. Yeah, Did For no, Honor literally. have loot boxes. I don't know. Uh, it's been a while since I played that. I don't think so. But that came with a slew of other problems. Yes. But yes, the, the shopkeeper who would rub his hands together as you were purchasing things. Money. Because he knew he was <laughs> taking your money. 
Oh. For uh, don't get me started on for honor, please. That's a whole like <laughs> debates yeah. I'm gonna have it's... that will take me like two hours to get through. What the what what specific? He's just mad because he's bad. I am not. <laughs> okay, he's but... just mad because everyone else is better okay. at the game. Well, ultimate. Okay, well, f- that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing the line. Yeah, All right, we're doing this. Yes, we... for, the problem with for honor <laughs> is the fact that like this was known from the beginning, where you'd be playing in the middle of the game, and because they don't have dedicated servers, it'd be like, oh, whoopsies, everyone was kicked from the server. Oh yeah, actually, I did forget about that. That that is true. That was that's, that was. And then on top yeah, of that, that concerning. yeah, and then on top of that, there was no like. Um, algorithm for them to match people of similar skill sets oh so no. i so i i mean i wasn't necessarily good but i don't think i was terrible either You're but better than me. but ultimately like i had played for let's say like maybe 20 hours total sure i'd get matched with like a group of three people that had played a total of 200 hours oh. and would go ahead and like say like it's like 2v2 versus 2v2 versus 2v2 versus 2v2 right those dudes on the other team that have played for so long would end up ditching the fights that they had on the 2v2s because it's still all in one arena to just go fight you yeah to to just go fight and gank one person and move as like a giant horde of like (laughs) sweaty tryhards and it was the most frustrating thing ever because like the game is fun and everything but it's definitely borderline impossible to take on a group of two or three people at once right you you have to you, there needs to be another person. Yeah, so then it just turns into a chase. It really does. It's funny because, you know, people kept comparing it to chivalry, and chivalry suffered from the exact same problem. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the joke was that it's like, it's not with honor, it's for honor. And once again, well, I'm one... going to say there was no honor. None. <laughs> one that... thing about chivalry that was nice, actually, because it had that problem, but also chivalry had much larger parties. Mm-hmm. So even if you could get ganked easier, it was also just much easier for you to, like, squad up with like five guys which was only a small fraction of your team so rather than yeah so like even if one person got rolled upon by like five other people you could still coalesce your four dudes together and try to fight their group of five dudes because for honor i think what the the largest teams you got were like three i believe i'm not sure no well how was the largest team i think the largest teams you could get in that was like maybe five. Oh wow and like the conquest mode i think it was where you had to go it was kind of like domination okay where you had to go from like different flags and capture them Mm -hmm. and like keep the middle area from being overtaken by the enemy team's grunts Mm -hmm. meanwhile in shiver you could have like teams of 16 wow oh yeah because around the era of like tf2 where you had just these large very like low uh upkeep servers we just like put a bunch of people on i'm reminded of mountain blade yes actually yeah i enjoyed that game but like a similar thing would happen where it's like i i have to stick with the group or else i'd get absolutely annihilated unless you were really really good which is possible yeah unless unless you're an yeah unless you're an absolute baller and you can just like take on a bunch of people at once i sadly was not Sadly. Not an absolute baller. Nope. <laughs> Not a shot caller either. Ah. Ah, darn. Got him again. <laughs> um, so we, the, the, the last thing that I wanted to, to kind of bring up that we, we had um, is more of a, like, uh, it's more of, a, of an interesting uh, discussion that was started by, fro- by uh, Frogwares... Uh, like head head developer um so 
the 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 developer created the the Sherlock Holmes games, The Devil's Daughter and Crimes and Punishments. Uh, pretty well known, like good games, and they're actually producing The Sinking City, which is a Lovecraftian Lovecraftian themed uh, game that takes place uh, in an alternate universe. Uh, and this is different and separate from the Call of Cthulhu game that's coming out on October thirtieth. Uh, I'm excited. absolutely loving just the wave it's of so many. Lovecraft games. Uh, because, and so, like, the, the, the article that I was reading specifically tied uh, the, the, the recent feelings of, like, global powerlessness and a lack of feeling, specifically from these Ukrainian developers with the annexation of Crimea and the, uh, the, the feeling that the rest of the world just kind of, like, didn't care to the, the feelings of abandonment and loneliness and fear that they worked into their game for the sinking city because the they, it, it's the reason that they were drawn to the cosmic horror aspect of the Lovecraftian universe. And so I just wanted to like have a bit of a discussion about that. And and do you see the 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 cosmic horror uh, kind of expanding outwards? Do you see that in games a little more often? Like I don't know the way what you I- phrased that really hit home i guess so that would make sense as to why i'm interested in cosmic horror yeah just the constant feeling of loneliness and dread and fear yeah it's yeah pretty much cosmic horror's hat sorry what so yeah, it's yeah. The other hat. yeah so is tf2 cosmic horror oh yes without a doubt <laughs> it can be you don't know what's you on don't the even other really team. know if the spy is human <laughs> right you don't know what's on the other team well, no, I, I love this this wave of cosmic horror because cosmic horror hit a huge snag with film, at least, because it's, it's just yeah. so hard to convey those kinds of emotions over a purely visual medium. Right. But then with games, you have a whole host of other things to add to it, like muddling the controls, right. having your options make like little to no impact. It's like that, that element of free will really lets you drive home how little power you have. Because and, you can make choices, but and what you is know, that going to get we, you? We can't, and you can't talk about cosmic horrors in video games without talking, of course, about... Uh, Sanity's Requiem. Um, just, uh, Eternal Darkness. Eternal, Dar- Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem, a Lovecraftian GameCube game that was produced by Nintendo, or developed by Nintendo. That it was, yeah, produced by Nintendo. Produced by Nintendo that, like, was you fighting Elder Gods. Hmm. I've never heard of this. Yes. Well, like, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, actually, was also very Lovecraftian yes. uh, in yeah. nature. It's another really good one. So, like, yeah. in Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem, the game focused around, like, it would mess around with your controls. Uh, sometimes uh, it would switch the input from video 2 to video 1. Sometimes it would turn off your screen and you had to turn it back on. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Is, is this thing. the game that threatens to, like, remove your save yes. data? Yes. That one. Oh, you mean Animal it, Crossing? It, it, it fake deletes it. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Rossetti. It's also also kind of um, <laughs> like what Arkham Asylum does when you get like drugged really hard with Scarecrow and it looks like the game crashes. Yeah, which Cosmic was one horror. of the coolest parts about that game, by yes. the way. Yeah, that and was such a cool the, use of the medium. It's cosmic horror that applies to gamers specifically. The cosmic horror of whether or not your machine's going yeah. to die. <laughs> Um, I'm just sure there's there's probably like no shortage of people who that happened to them and they just got up and shut off the game immediately to restart it. Well, yes, exactly. That's, imagine being, it's like when you're playing a a walking visual novel slash uh, uh, simulation game and suddenly the map becomes all white and you can't move around anymore. You have to go back like a couple of minutes. I remember that. That happened the other day. Yes, it did. And Going back to uh, you mentioning what happened in Arkham Asylum where Scarecrow does that to your game, I, I think I remember that happening to me and I was playing it in my room 
And all of a sudden, apparently, my whole family just hears me screaming, no! <laughs> so they all go to my room, they're like, Tyler, are you okay? And I'm like, it's okay. It didn't actually happen. We're good. I'm just so glad. When that happened to me, it's kind of looked at the screen and sighed. And went to and turn then, it. You know, I didn't even get up because I'm lazy. So, yeah, I just, I just sighed and stared at it. And then it booted back up and I was really confused. Right. I was also, I remember, yeah, I do remember that happening for the first time. And, and it, a, a wonderful, it plays with the expectations. And like, yes, the, I, I love the idea that cosmic horror in video games uh, doesn't, just cons- uh, doesn't just constitute the known game universe. It, exte- it instead extends outward past that into your universe and, and starts actually, messing with things. Another surprisingly great example of like using the medium to really convey this kind of sense of powerless and helplessness uh, Undertale played with the medium probably yeah. better than Arkham Asylum. Even Absolutely, did. It's just a good game. Uh, yeah. Undertale, a game that is it, it, like it's a, a, it a meta, thrives on meta. Yeah, yeah, a, a meta critical analysis of games and and your behavior. Uh yeah, oh, Undertale a, was such brilliant. A Man, yeah. again, we we will not stop saying it on this show, but go play Undertale. It's a fantastic game. I, I would say it's underrated if it weren't massively popular. Well, but yeah. like that's always my gut reaction because I, I love that game so, so fantastic. much. It, yeah. It, it absolutely is. It, it, and like I, so I, and I agree. I think it really does play with the idea of you, in some cases, you are powerless to stop it. And I, I, I actually, when it is used correctly, I find that as a really interesting and, and useful tool to subvert a player's expectations. And also because like, it's actually very frightening sometimes too because um, avoiding spoilers, like we already spoiled Arkham Asylum pretty bad, but well, avoiding well. spoilers for Undertale at least, there's parts where certain late game enemies will mess with your save file or your controls and then directly address you, the player. Right. And that's kind of alarming. Like, like yeah. you know it's a game, but because so few games really step out of the medium like that, you actually feel like, am I, am I actually being attacked? Right. And of course, the, and this has spawned kind of a, there have been a slew of meta-referential games that have kind of come about and gained a lot of popularity. Um, you know, Pony Island, um, Doki Doki Literature Club, mm. Just a lot of really interesting and and like fantastic games that focus on what it means to play these games. Um, they're like postmodern games. Um, they're games about games, uh, and so I, I find that especially interesting. Um, I don't know. Do you guys? I where do you, I hope that this trend continues for for cosmic horror, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh boy! Oh yeah! I'm I second that. So excited. Third. Third that. Fourth it. You fourth in that, Mike? Y- yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was just, what, what do you guys think the correlation is then between these so-called metagames and cosmic horror? Oh. What, what is it about these, these meta moments that work well with cosmic horror or that make it cosmic horror what is cosmic about that i guess i in that uh when you i think it's that when you play a a game there is an establishment of of two universes when you play is there's the game's universe and there is our reality like theater right and and so uh like meta-referential games play around with that and occasionally like reach out and and mess around with things that you had initially or what had been established or pro- because of your expectations you believe are untouchable it's the idea of transgressing boundaries yeah 
really, really violating your space. And also, like, yeah, it's not maybe quite cosmic horror unless I, I can get, like, into a really weird analysis of it. I'm, I'm going to, like... Go no, it's it. like the No, it's the idea of, of transgressing... Like, in a way, actually, we, the players, are the unknowable alien entities. Right, we are the games. transgressors in the universe, but the then, ones acting upon it. Yeah, the second the beings in the game start to cross those boundaries and acknowledge us, it's, it's, it is strange because suddenly we feel... Like equals to this thing. Are we the elder gods? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> to to a video game NPC, there's these weird unknow this weird unknowable force that does the most random things, like jump into walls or like eat all the cheese wheels at once. Eat all the cheese wheels at once. Why is he doing? Because <laughs> like a lot of horror games thrive on making the player seem powerless, and actually nothing really makes you seem more powerless than when the things in the game start to step up to your level of awareness exactly. of like what they're in and what's happening. Yeah. And then suddenly it feels less like you're, you're playing with like a computer, computer program, more like you're playing with an equal. Right. It, it is the, yeah, it's the, the spooky thing where like, <laughs> yeah, when you're playing a, a game against something that you're, you're playing a game on something, but you realize the thing is actually playing, it's playing like, you, it's playing you. Ooh, and spooky. So scary. Um, yeah, this will. Sorry, we're it's whole October. Spooks and scares galore. We're very excited about cosmic horror. I'm so this, excited about cosmic household. horror, specifically cosmic about horror. cosmic horror in video games, because I feel like there is a huge. I think that video games themselves lend it to the medium, and I believe that it's a. It's actually a, a, an intuitive step, with a t with that type of uh, of genre, and I think cosmic horror certainly has a place in video games. It's just such a great thing about video games. It's such a versatile medium. Like, it really lends itself to really anything you want. Yeah, yes. Pretty much everything. Even if you want to make money. Especially money. <laughs> Even if you want to burn yourself out working 100 hours a week, if that's what you're into. You if can, that's what you're into. Video right? games are there for you. Hey. Either you could program them or just play way too many. Imagine the, the, loot the, the Lovecraftian uh, cosmic horror loot boxes. You might get something of unknowable <laughs> origin that will drive you insane. Or this skin worth $20. Ooh. Or nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> Could get nothing. Uh, but in that nothing, you find the solace of madness. The nothing was inside <laughs> us all along. The, the horrifying empty, the only nothingness that you find in the loot box was within you. The, the horrifying elder <laughs> truth was the friends you made along the way. <laughs> we are the Lovecraftian beings. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I think that there is, yeah, and, and there's also like, I, I don't know, I still also think the playfulness of these uh, is, n is not lost on the... Uh, yeah, isn't lost as well. You can still be like it's cosmic horror can be wacky or playful. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be as sinister as we show it off to be. It can be as simple as like oh, the game's playing some kind of a trick on me. In fact, I mean, it's joking with me. Horror as cycling back to Batman again. Actually, horror like characters like the Joker, simple or represent can be made even scarier if you mix a good amount of humor and playfulness in it because it creates. A, this disconnect, and B, if you open with the humor, it can create, like, the sudden shift to horror, like, that much more terrifying. Yeah. You're just sitting around having a good time. Next thing you know, your save file's getting hacked, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Ooh, all your save files all belong to me. <laughs> uh, Thanks for bringing that one back. Oh, you're welcome. 
it's dusting absolute, it off. Yep, just uh, yeah. The spookiest memes are the old ones. I went to the graveyard and dug up that meme. And old gothic horror meme. (laughs) That was almost a pre-meme meme. meme. (laughs) That was almost before memes existed. Yeah, from the the primordial brink. The soup from which the... primordial soup. (laughs) From which the memes arose. Your favorite, Malcolm, the I can has cheeseburger cat. (laughs) Oh, long cat. That's about the the hamster dance. The the terrifying shambling corpse of that meme. The terrifying shambling corpse of Nyan Cat. Yes, coming back. Ah. Badger, 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 mushroom, mushroom. (laughs) See, these are the. This is the the, the cosmic horror that we have to look forward now. The memes. It's pop culture cosmic horror. The terrifying dead properties that we thought were long since past are coming back. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait for video games that feature those horrifying relics of our past memes or, or cosmic horror or both both at the same time by the way any game developers listening this one's free yeah no we we hand out the free those are all free well, whatever you so many good ideas here. I, <laughs> garbage good ideas i never said i was handing out my ideas for free i, I at least want credit <laughs> yeah sure um but absolutely i think that like what I would actually, you know, would be a great. I would lend itself fantastically to this format. Make a battle royale, but with cosmic horror in mind. Wouldn't that be fun? No one wins. No one ever wins. Perfect for you're actually you're thrown into an arena with an elder god. (laughs) You know, speaking of that though, another trend that's on the rise that I'm really a fan of that I think holds a lot of promise and has once or twice been executed properly is um, asymmetrical team games. Oh, yeah. Well, Dead by Daylight. Dead by Daylight. I did it quite right, with quotation marks around it. Oh, yeah. Like, that... it's, it's a medium that has a lot of potential. But then, yeah, essentially. And, like, I- I'm glad it's, it's, it's getting more and more popular. It just hasn't quite, you know, hit that bandwagon yet like uh, Battle Royale. And Battle Royale had been around you know, way before the bandwagon thing hit it. So who knows? Maybe... Yeah. In a year or so, we'll get a, an insufferable bandwagon of asymmetrical, uh, not co-op, but like uh, team-based games. Yeah. yeah. I mean, here's here's to hoping. And Evolve is that game where you get thrown in with a bunch of Elder Gods. Yeah. And no one wins. And but no, the Elder Gods. Yes, but the Elder Gods. Or uh, the game is so awful that it the game breaks you as the player. Yeah. No <laughs> one wins. No one wins. Yes. Well, I mean, no one wins in Evolve because no one plays it anyways. Exactly. <laughs> and the people who did play it lost. Like me. Because they played it. <laughs> yep, like me. Tyler, what is with you and getting on board with... Oh, I'm telling you, these are good games, are but you the communities cursed? are dead. Yeah, I guess. He, I he mean, hopes too far and, he and hopes... trusts too much. Hence my Battleborn purchase. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Just uh... Someone take my credit card away. <laughs> Don't allow me. Um... But yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely something to be said. So we are nearing the end. I did want to ask if, did you guys have any, any anything we've talked about today? Do you have any final remarks? Anything that you want to, about the, the 100,000, the 100,000, the 100 hours, the 100 hour work weeks, uh, anything about the, the loot box disclosures, anything about the, the air of uh, cosmic horror in video games? Any final thoughts, final words? Yeah. Tune in to Pixel Hunt. Otherwise, we're going to personally delete all your saved files, including homework. <laughs> we're going to dox you. I guess. Yes. Um, 
All I have to say is, Mugwanathan Relehde. Oh, you can't say that over the radio. The FCC is going to. Cthulhu. Fatagan. Fatagan. It's actually Cthulhu who runs the FCC. That's correct. You just say Cthulhu because that could very well be a correct pronunciation. But it's not the one I know, so I hate it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, if anyone listening understood that, you know what to do. (laughs) The signal has been sent. (laughs) Now we wait. (laughs) Any words from you, Mike? It's Cthulhu. It's Cthulhu? Thank you, Mike. That's all I'm saying. I I prefer Cthulhu, but you can say Cthulhu. I don't care. You can't, though. You can't say that. Cthulhu, tomato. You can't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Tomato, potato, tomato. Cthulhu. (laughs) Cthulhu. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I, I... yeah, I think that's a, a pretty nice place. If you guys like what you heard, you can find us online at uh, on SoundCloud. You can look up Pixel Hunt, and uh, this episode will be up as well as all the other episodes uh, after, uh, well, after this one. We'll try to put up all the ones that we did before, and this one included. So eventually, yeah, you can at me on Twitter at a Pixel Hunt if you have. Oh, I'll at you. Yeah, at me. I'll at you. So bring well. it on. Um, I don't mean that <laughs> confrontationally. I mean that purely in a nice friendly challenge friendly friendly um show me what you got show yes please show your moves show me show me your moves um but absolutely uh at a pixel hunt if you have any suggestions or you'd like to see something covered uh that we haven't already uh please reach out we'd love to hear from you guys um yeah we uh, thank you so much for joining us we this show wouldn't be what it is without you we love you we love you intensely I'm fond of you, but I uh, don't worry, Gates. Not sure if I'm ready for the commitment. <laughs> I like my audience, but I'm not sure I'm ready to love again. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. So yeah, thank you everybody for joining in. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. <laughs>